You are listening to Takedowns to Breakdowns. I can't wait for that little secret gem we have to mm-hmm. go live. I, I feel know. like if anything's going to attract more listeners, it will be that. Because people would just be listening and go, Jesus, oh, fuck. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I feel like a lot has happened. Mm-hmm. In the world of uh, UFC, at least, since... for Actually, you know what? MMA. I don't want to... Like, everybody talks about it. And because we do this every two weeks, I don't want to rehash what everybody hashes already. Mm. But the fact that Artem Lobov versus Pauli Malinaji and bare-knuckle fighting overshadowed and was a higher-watched event than Korean zombie fighting and um, fucking Gegard Mousasi fighting is insane to me because there was that Bellator card and the UFC card in the same night. Mm-hmm. And instead, you had Pauli Malinaji versus Artem Lobov, and that was a big thing. Now, I'm not familiar with those guys. I know they had, like, a beef going on, though, before... Well, Artem Lobov is part of Conor McGregor's crew. Okay. And Pauli is Pauli. If you recall from the Floyd Mayweather stuff, what happened when uh, Conor flew in Pauli to help spar. Okay. Connor apparently, rumor has it, tuned him up real good and then kind of used that as a teaser in a way, like a tease. Like, ooh, I whooped this boxer's ass. Like, this world champion, this former world champion, I beat the fuck out of him. And he posted that one picture of Pauly getting, like, knocked down on the ground. Mm. And he was like, I'm going to do this to Floyd, too. And it's just, just part of the buildup. But there was a lot of animosity because it was, oh, my God. It's Connor's camp versus Polly and Polly's camp. But at the end of it, Polly and Artem were like best buds. They were just, oh, dude, great fight, man. Like you did so well. Like blah, 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 blah. Respect, 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 which I get. But it, I think it's just weird that that overshadowed Crane Zombie and Gegard Mousasi, who are two top level fighters. Yeah. And this the but here's the cool thing with those three events it brings up multiple points of what I wanted to ask you. One was about how Korean Zombie had 2 years off for forced military leave uh, cuz he's South Korean and that's uh, yeah, mandate in South Korea. And he kind of like how TJ Dillashaw is getting all of his surgeries and like basically doing all of the recovery and rehab that he's been waiting to do his career now while he's suspended for the next 2 years. Green Zombie had that opportunity. On top of the fact, I'm pretty sure all any of his injuries would have been taken care of by the military. So he's literally as he came back at 100% as much as you can get. Yeah. Now, granted, he came back and went into a war against Yair Rodriguez, which if you didn't watch, it's fucking insane. They just it's bloody, it's flashy, it's creative, it's gutsy. That was the one that ended with the up the yep. elbow. Oh yeah. my god. Yes. Yes. So maybe he's not at 100% still, but he's doing much better than what he was before when he was just grinding out his MMA career. Yeah. And I wanted to get your opinion because we've talked about taking time off from martial arts anyways, mm-hmm. not just in the sense of your technique isn't as sharp, but I feel like there is a moment of clarity taking time off and not only taking time off for a moment of clarity, but there's also a matter of the actual physical recovery that the body, the ligaments, the muscles, the bones, the brain needs from that yeah yeah you know um but that's not traditionally a martial artist thing right like in traditional martial arts there's no such thing as fucking breaks what are breaks you 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 just keep doing 
Every day. Every day. Yeah. yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's yeah. not something you train and, oh, I'm, I'm sore. I'm not going to. No. Oh, you're, what's sore? Your hand? Okay, cool. Then you're going to do air squats and wall sits and kicks and you're going to do stretching exercises. Like, oh, my legs are. Okay, cool. You're going to do one-handed push-ups. You're going to do like <laughs> variation push-ups and pull-ups and you're going to punch and you're going to do all this other shit. So where do you stand in the sense from, uh, <clears throat> granted, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of sport performance and sport style of fighting versus traditional mm-hmm. but just your take on the fact that maybe you fight better if you do take breaks and why hasn't that broken through on tradi- on the traditional well side? especially How come you don't see schools like old school dojos being like oh yeah we rest once a month for five days yeah yeah, yeah. well <laughs> that's the thing with sport right it's like here we go again with the weight classes and it's like you're forced to be on strict diets and take certain supplements so you're literally not just conditioning your body physically but like i mean just with what you take in you know the nutrients needed nothing more nothing less you know whether that's good or not for your body i i'm not a doctor i can't say but yeah it's absolutely like i i believe anyways mandatory for these fighters to take some time off from the sport. Um, I mean, as far as going traditional, the thing is, is no matter as an instructor, no matter who you're training, everyone's different. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the goal is, is for everyone to, you know, perform at their best and make sure they're doing the techniques right. And they understand, uh, the art of it, you right. know? Right. But, um, with sport, it's just a different, you know, that's, that's just completely different. Um, Right. So do you think, why do you think, so do you think it's just because... I think it just takes a toll on your body. No, I, I agree. But I'm just saying, why has it never been really a point to, to focus on when it comes to traditional schools, dojos, traditional martial arts? Like, from that standpoint, that's never really something that's been discussed. Like, again, we always bring up how we train in a very old school art with very old with a yeah. very old school teacher. Yeah, yeah. He understood we have to work, right. right? So he understood as much as he wanted it to be the samurai way. He understood just, oh, yes, like, your wrist hurts. Well, wrap it, and we won't use that today. Mm-hmm. But we're still training. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like, oh, your ankle hurts. Wrap it, and then we're, we won't use that side so you don't hit it but you're still training today. Yeah. But I feel like that's a modified version of what things were. I feel like back in the day, you just wouldn't train. It would just, you would sit on the sidelines and watch the watch class. Right. Uh, but back how, in the day, how long? Like how far back? Yeah. Like how far back? I don't know. Let's I go. I mean, if you're talking like 60s, 70s, maybe if we're talking, let's say thousand years ago, maybe not even that long ago, but like, say five six hundred years ago uh oh you have a boo-boo aw get over get fucking over it right well because that shit was designed for the battlefield yeah because the idea it's like you're conditioning your body oh you feel pain keep going then yeah that's what pain is for right right yeah so you're training yourself so you don't feel pain right oh you still feel it let's keep going then yeah to be a weapon yeah right so the thing with like sports is like you know the thing with traditional is we're not doing crossfit style training all this no. high intensity shit. True. You know what I mean? It, like I said, it's just it's, and and like I said, you're you're maintaining a specific weight depending on what class you're in. For sport today. For sport. Right. Right. You know. So I mean, as far as do well, I, sumos try to maintain a weight. 
Sumo's a traditional art. They try to mean... They have... Uh, what is that? Chun... But, uh, let's be honest. What? Let's be honest with each other. How hard is it to maintain a sumo weight? Hard? They say it's hard. Come on. They say it's hard. Matt. <laughs> they say it's hard. When you're 500 pounds... I, okay, I can understand if you you want to get you're like They're let's not okay like let's say you're a buck seventy right obese getting okay. like wheeled out in a buffalo Hear me cart out. you're you, five hundred pounds of performance <laughs> of explosive muscle let, okay listen let's say you're a buck seventy hey I want to be a sumo wrestler they have okay. that but they have they have hundred and fifty pound divisions for girls in the United States Sumo Wrestling Federation yeah actually I never thought about that not all sumo wrestlers I guess are fat. But you should try sumo. What are you trying to say, man? You seem you, well. I'm just. I'm saying that you think it seems to be very easy. No, I no, no, no. I never should. said the art of it. I'm saying as far as maintaining the diet and maintaining that body. Well, you can't eat like McDonald's and still be a professional. You bet your fucking ass. You can. No, excuse you can. my language. You can eat goddamn McDonald's. No. Are you serious right no. now? No. Dude, come on. Traditional sumo diets are very high in vegetables, very high in tofu, very high in meat. It's very high in good, like whole food, organic meals. So explain the 500 pounds. Have you seen what they eat? Yes, and I've <laughs> seen how much of it they eat. <laughs> So don't sit here and tell the me it's of, vegetables. It is vegetables. Right? It is vegetables. I believe they take a serving or two of vegetables, but come on, they got to be eating, taking in way more protein than anything, and that shit's probably like deep fried three times. Okay, so maybe I'm a little wrong. Yeah, maybe just a little bit, huh? To complement their meal, sumo wrestlers eat around five to ten bowls of rice and copious <laughs> amounts of beer required for empty calories. A healthy mm. rikishi made down as many as six pints during the midday meal. Fucking beer, dude. Beer is part of their diet. Oh, yeah. it's so hard. They have to eat a daily diet of 20,000 calories. Oh, no. Uh, oh. They skip breakfast. So their day starts at 4 or 5 in the morning with training and exercise. Uh -huh. Breakfast is not served. Right. Um, they eat around lunch for their bulk load. Aha. This is the thing I was talking about. Uh, chonko nabe. Okay. Is what it's called. I remember it started with a C. Chonko nabe is the main dish that they eat. It's a stew. Chonko nabe is uh, filled with fish, vegetables, meat, and tofu. It's a traditional Japanese stew uh, with the... It's a supersized version of the traditional Japanese <laughs> stew. It's stuff full of extra everything. And that's when they also have five to ten bowls of rice on the side, along with copious <laughs> amounts of beer. Um, and how much of this stew are they eating? Uh, a lot. All right, then. Um, they try to drink all of it, I believe. Uh, for people wondering, there's a Vice-fueled series where they go through diets, and one of them is a sumo wrestler's diet. And they follow this famous Japanese sumo wrestler who comes to America to help do some seminars and he makes chokonabe mm. and then they go out and get chokonabe at a Japanese restaurant and he's like admonishing people who aren't finishing it they're like oh I'm full he's like you are sumo you finish <laughs> you, you drink and he's like drinking the chokonabe broth and he's chugging it and people are just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's so much. He's like, That's what I mean. Like, if you're trying to like if you're already like skinny, but you want to get to that way, I feel like in the beginning, that's rough because you're used to being small. See, I 
Although hel- although hearty, Chonko Nabe is actually quite healthy. It's not your Whopper, triple Whopper, or deep fried pizza or, or deep fried fries. Size. The stew is full of fresh veggies and the tofu fish and pork, chicken, and beef. Yeah, oh. And even if they eat all the stuff inside of it, they will then put noodles into the bowl <laughs> to keep eating. Oh, man. Whew. I think you should have Chunko Nabe. I would love to try it. It sounds good. Yeah, right? It sounds sounds dope. Sounds like some whole food shit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, to get back to the whole, um, you know, it's taking time off necessary thing. You know, for a martial artist, it's just not as intense. You know, there is more of like a, uh, you know, I mean, depending on how traditional and serious this the particular person takes it. Um, right. It's almost more spiritual in a sense and more meditating. And when you're doing your katas, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, um, it's just very meditating and very relaxing. Um, you right. know, to, to do that right. daily, it's, it's not really too strenuous, you know? However, being a professional fighter, doing strength and conditioning, going through fight camps, sparring. That's what I mean. And it's just the high intensity and maintaining that weight. And, you know, you you have to ask yourself, is that good for you? Because there could be two different people that are, let's say, five foot eight, but their biology is different. Right. You know? So it's like one person could be in shape and they were meant to be in that shape. The other person, maybe they were meant to be ten pounds heavier or ten pounds lighter, or you know. So I don't, I don't know, man. Right. Okay. No, that's that, fine. That's that's just my opinion. I mean, I I think. Well, this whole show is opinions, right? It's all just yeah. Us fucking so out. like with Korean Zombie, you know, taking the time off. The thing is, is it's also the military. So physically, he's still doing stuff. Right. Exactly. But he and, looks. I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I'm not sure how much action the guy actually saw within the two years. Probably not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, there's also that mental aspect as well, you know, because, you know, you're taking the break from the sport. Great. But now you've got to worry about the military, you know, and now you're coming back to the sport. So is coming back actually the vacation for him? Right. Or is he maybe just thinking, hey... I actually don't need to do this anymore. I, f- I don't want to keep hurting myself and others and I feel healthy and I don't yeah, like going yeah, through yeah. the pain of it and all that stuff. To go back into it and just say, yeah, I love this. Yeah. I want more war and fire and blood. Let's go. That's a savage. That's a fucking savage. Yeah. And the way he won was a fucking savage. Oh, in, it was great. In its own right. Like, it was what, 40 seconds in? Mm-hmm. Overhand right? Or Overhand like, right. Came with the left hook and... Yeah. Just dominated from there. Just fucking took him out. Um, uh, the other point that that night brought up that I wanted to ask you was I, I understand the characters. The characters of Polly Malinaji and Artem Loboff. Polly and Artem fighting has its own storyline as, as them being characters. However, the storyline of them being fighters is also just as interesting, right? You have Pauly Malinaji, a former like boxing champion. F- granted, he has he's had a history of, of brittle hands. He's never had knockout power. He's had awesome technique, fantastic fast footwork, great sp- uh, hand speed, um, a very technical boxer. 
facing off against a average MMA fighter. Not to poo-poo on Arnold Moboff. You can look at his record. He's an average MMA fighter. He's not a bad MMA fighter, but he's average. And Artem won, right? You have mm-hmm. an average MMA fighter who beat a boxer in a bare-knuckle fight. Previous so, champion. Right. So this always goes back to talk about how boxers have a cushion, literally. And that's also... Uh, the cushion is their detriment, right? You have pillows on your hands. I don't care if you're fighting with six-ounce gloves. You still have pillows compared to four-ounce or nothing at all. Yeah. Like, what they did in bare-knuckle. Bare knuckle has always been talked about as being extremely barbaric because it's just bare knuckle fighting. It's an alley fight, right? It's just a fight in the back of a bar or on the street yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of something. And it, it the fight conclusions reflect that, right? There's blood everywhere. There's usually giant gashes, horrible bruising, broken hands and wrists. It's a fucking mess. But, and we've talked about something like this, Wouldn't isn't that the most accurate representation of fighting absolutely right absolutely so in this sense it's intriguing because you don't just have the conor mcgregor camp versus the paulie malinaji camp you also have the whole storyline of you have a boxer fighting off against an mma fighter in basically street conditions Mm -hmm. as street as it's going to get just bare knuckles fucking go at it and the boxer lost right now i don't want paulie and artem to represent the world of boxing, the world of MMA, because that's not the fucking case. But it is a nice little slice to see, to go, see, boxing techniques have lots of flaws the second you take away the big cushy pads on their on their yeah. hands, right? Yep. The second you take that away, what happens? They can get touched and they can get fucked up and they're not used to touching with bare hands mm-hmm. or with almost nothing on their hands. So to me, that's what intrigued me the most about that fight. It was, I'm watching a boxer try to use boxing techniques against an MMA fighter in a basically a street environment. That's basically what this is. Mm. I know a lot of people followed it for that story of Conor McGregor, Artem Lobov, Pauli Malinaji, and the Floyd Mayweather camp. But in your opinion, do you think bare knuckle fighting is barbaric? Or do you think it deserves more popularity? Hmm. Well, so when you say, um, do you mean it literally when you say like, as far as the street rules thing, it's just like you guys just go at it. Like, are there no, certain not really. rules? It's, it's it's really like boxing rules, but it's a street environment. Okay, gotcha. Um, I mean, you, you can clinch, you can throw, you can't do groundwork. It's, yeah. It, so it's it's mainly just like you're doing a bar brawl outside. That's basically okay. what it is. Okay. Do I think it's barbaric? I mean, this shit's been going on well over 100 years, I'm sure. You know, bare-knuckle fighting. Oh, I know. I'm you just know, talking about I, for our culture and our time. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think it's a bit... I hate to use this term. I, I feel like it's refreshing, in a sense. Whoa. Because, yeah. I wasn't expecting that word. Um... Because it is more realistic than the sport. Don't get me wrong. I It's like how you, you put it many years ago. It's like watching two guys play chess with their bodies when you're watching UFC or whatever. Like, it's very technical. Right. Most of the time, anyways, you know? Right. Um, it's really cool to see what these guys could come up with in three to five, 
five minute rounds. But bare knuckle. Bare knuckle is two minute rounds. You know, it's uh, it's just like holy shit. You know, like this is real. And what do you mean? Because MMA is real. Like, yeah, what do you mean it's real? But like, the results, not the God. I I can I'm trying tell. To th- I'm trying to think was, of the word. I can tell you're trying to paint a picture of what you want. Yeah. To 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 show bare knuckle as. I'm excited for what it's going to be. Do I think it's barbaric? Bottom line. <sighs> okay. I think it would have been barbaric if it started out the way UFC did on like fucking Spike TV, you know, and you're surrounded by a cage. The fact that it's in a ring is better, you think? It's just, it just, it appears more professional, you know? Right. If it was, <laughs> if it was just UFC one rules, which we've talked it, about. It, it's it's it amazing. Just, be... just an environmental change. And it's like, oh yeah, no, this is totally like. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, I would say it's kind of refreshing. Not that you get sick and tired of you know typical mma but it's like it's just something different you know what i do get sick and tired of the knowledge of brain damage mm. from this stuff like that 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 it's not stopping me from watching the fights but like it it's on my mind a lot now mm. for some reason i think it's because maybe we just watched amanda nunez and tiago santos fuck people up and send people to the to the soul dimension but like um it's it's like terrifying to know that people are willingly putting themselves in that situation yeah. to get their fu- fucking brain bashed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like on the bright side, and everybody says this, in bare knuckle, it's it's safer because, you know, the hands are going to break before the skull will, so you tactically are going to be safer because it's like, okay, whatever. Like <laughs> You're still having impact on your skull and your brain still doesn't like it. I understand yeah, what seriously. you're saying. That it's worse to get punched with a glove than bare knuckles. And it's all superficial cuts. But still, it's not great for you. It can't right. be great for you. And it's just... Ugh. I don't know. I think that's the one thing that, that holds me off in a lot of combat sports still. is just the, the violence of damage, right? Like, on one hand, it's the appealing part. On the other hand, it's the part that is also the off-putting part. You know? It's like sex... And then dealing with the wet spot afterwards. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Good it's analogy. Like, ooh, All right. sex is great. Sex is fun. And then afterwards, ooh, there's a wet, <laughs> there's a wet spot we got to take care of. Ooh. It's like that. Okay. Sorry. That's the only thing my mind could go to right now, to think of something that's like those two. Oh, oh here's, the, here, here's a more family rated one. You love spicy Thai food, but you hate the burning doo-doo afterwards. Okay. Right? I don't have burning doo-doo, but I, I hear it's a common thing for people. Okay. But you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. oh, I love it. It's so good. Oh, this is great. This is such an experience. Ooh, I feel alive. And then you, it's like, ooh, this poo is liquid. It's just, <laughs> it's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's so I feel like it's, it's nothing embodies that more than, than bare knuckle to me. Yeah. Nothing embodies that feeling more than watching Bare Knuckle. Watching a guy like Chris Lieben, a retired fighter, come back just to make a paycheck, and you see the fucking ass whooping. Is that what he does, does now, Bare Knuckle? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And he got his fucking face caved in, and it was just... It's, it's just thinking, fuck, you know? It's like watching Chuck and Tito go again. Oh, God, no. Exactly. Please, no. Exactly. It's just, oh, come on, man. Don't You don't need to do this, guys. You don't need to do this. <laughs> yeah. It's like watching that. That's really what it is. But this dichotomy of fighting and, and realizing the brain trauma, I think, is a great segue to talk about something I really want to focus on. Because I think I'm about to update the takedowns to breakdowns dot wordpress.com site with a new article because i've been brewing something i've been brewing something something deep mm. i've been brewing my thoughts about amanda nunez so if you've ever been to that website you'll see i've done a lot of breakdowns of just fighters i've enjoyed watching like Jose aldo anthony pettis uh stuff like that nothing really too in depth on the female side um as much as i've wanted to i just haven't found the fighter that I've wanted to really make a stance about until Amanda Nunes. And it's because when I heard Amanda Nunes was fighting this Saturday at UFC 239 versus Holly Holm, I immediately thought, oh, it's the Ronda killers (laughs) going off against each other. (laughs) But it's also something where they've had very similar paths. They've, They've fought Ronda. They've won against Ronda. They moved up a weight class to fight a higher weight class. Um, they're both known for their striking ability. Mm-hmm. They're both extremely technical, super effective with their range, amazing footwork. They're never out of place. So how do you decide that when they're like that? Well, first you decide what reach, which I think Holly has, and then you decide uh, power, which Amanda has, mm-hmm. right? So then you're down to just stats. And then I just stopped there because I thought I need to watch more of Amanda. I need to study more of Holly. I need to kind of really formulate what I want to say. And then an article was released, I believe, today on ESPN.com by uh, Katie Barnes, I believe her name is. Okay. Yep. Uh, Good writer. Great writer. I like reading her stuff. And she put out an article about why Amanda Nunes should be arguably one of the, if not one, then the best female fighter. Now, I was expecting, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting a, a, a thorough investigation of Amanda Nunes. And Katie went through and touched on a lot of the stuff that we discussed, right? What Amanda's done and what she's accomplished. But Katie focused a lot on Amanda's person, right? Her character, the way she handles adversity, the way she handles the pressure, her composure be, with being the champion, her goals from her like real humble beginnings of being poor in Brazil. And mm. now she's still very similar, despite the fact that she makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a fight and she lives in a house and she's remodeling the house and she's modifying her pickup truck. And she has a girlfriend who she's probably going to be her fiance. And it's, it's a lot of things about her, about her, about her going through her stages of life and maintaining her integrity and mm. her character. And that's a very good point. I think, I think that's a very valid reason to explain for why she should be considered, right? Because of that. Because if you take that same kind of lens and you put on somebody like Ronda Rousey, no, nothing against Ronda Rousey, but Ronda Rousey did, does not pass that test. Yeah, no. You know? I mean, I'm not saying Ronda's a bad person because I don't know her, nor do I think she's a bad person. But you saw what happened with adversity and you saw what happened with her composure. Now, granted... 
let's be 100% upright here, uh, up front here. Ronda Rousey went through a completely different magnifying glass than Amanda Nunes has. Yeah. Right? Ronda Rousey's in movies and commercials, sponsorships, getting invited to red carpets. You know, like she's she's rubbing shoulders with the top celebrities all over the world. She's mm-hmm. flying everywhere, you know, constantly with cameras in her face. Amanda has may, had maybe 0.5% of that in her career. So we have to take each lens with a grain of salt to really compare the two, right? Yeah. But who do you think is the greatest female fighter of all time? You could say Gina Carano, Ronda Rousey. You could say Misha Tate. You could say Rosanna Yunez. You could say Michelle Waterson. You could say fucking anybody you want. You could say uh, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, Durandamine. You could say whoever. Doesn't matter. But who... I say that... I ask you that question. Who pops in your head immediately? Is it Ronda? No. Ronda was a pioneer. Okay. But... She, hmm. Right, so here we go. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rhonda was good at one thing. Technically multiple, if you want to take all of the techniques of judoing in account. But if you're talking about finishing, yeah, then I mean, yes. That's all she did, really. I, yeah, there was like one one or two fights, knockout. Touch Correa, she, she fucking threw hands on. Yeah. Um, Stockton slapped her real good. Ronda was a pioneer. Who do I think is currently the best? No, no, no. Just, just not, in general. Not right now in today's time. Okay. Because when I say who's the best, who's the best male fighter, I know GSP pops in your head. Yeah, I know Demetrius Johnson pops in your head, right? Like, yep. Because that's what happens with me. I think of Demetrius Johnson and. George St. Pierre mm-hmm. immediately. So I, you know what, for the streak that she was, that she had in the beginning, I would say Rhonda. Rhonda, right? Rhonda. Rhonda had execution of technique. She had intimidation factor. She had execution. She had composure. There, were, Rhonda was never refined. Let's be completely honest. Ronda was taking shots in all of her fights. Liz Carmouche, when she first broke in the UFC, yep. the Misha Tate saga, she's always taking shots. And as you saw in the Amanda Nunes fight, she took bombs and she kept she kept staying in the pocket, just going, "I'm here, let's go. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something with this." Um, I think Ronda's dominance was so clear at the time of her career because she was doing technique at a level that no other girls are doing and then we saw technique and holly holmes come in you know what i mean Mm. like that was something where think about it who else was as refined in technique almost not only in the women's division but in all of the ufc organization if not mma than ronda rousey when it came to just a hip throw yeah right Hip throw straight into uh, Juji Akami, right? Like just wham, wham. Yeah. Like how good was she at that? Oh, fucking incredible! Incredible. Not- it was. It was almost. It was the equivalent of the Mike Tyson knockout punch, where it's, oh god, don't connect it. Oh, don't let her hips get in. Oh, mm-hmm. her hips are there. Whoop! 
just thrown, slammed, landed on top, full waza, fucking swings over, grabs the arm. You try to fight it. Nope. Hammer fist down. You still, you just eat those. Okay. I'm just going to work the wrist. I'm going to work this on the hand and then rip. And the rip was immediate. It went from like, you think you have it to it's extended. Yeah. Yeah. It was never just, oh, I could fight. Except for Misha. Misha was the only one who just tried to gut through it multiple times. Uh, Liz Carmouche, too. Liz Carmouche did a great job fighting it off. For Side note, I think Liz Carmouche needs a lot more credit for her style and her career that she's had, regardless of the record, what it says. Her execution and performance as, I think, a modern-day pioneer for, for women's divisions and for repre- representation. But regardless, Ronda Rousey, I think, is dominant because of that. But I remember watching the Amanda Nunes fight with you at Sliders excited, right? Now, mm-hmm. I remember I remember where I was watching Holly Holm dismantle uh, Ronda Rousey, and that was a, oh, somebody, we all, they all said that, and even Ronda said it. She said, yeah, because everybody was riding off Holly, if you remember, and mm-hmm. Ronda was saying, she's a dangerous striker. She's a really good counter striker. I have to, you know, really watch my P's and Q's on her and, and, and really get in there and, and take care of her and not try to play her game. Granted, that didn't work because, again, I blame her corner and her coaching. But we watched that fight together, and we were so excited, right? Because we wanted yeah. to see Ronda come back and be Ronda. Mm-hmm. We wanted dominance. We wanted to see the execution of technique. We wanted to see the refinement of the kill. We wanted to see it all. And it was the complete opposite of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> complete opposite of that shit. So that's another showing, right? That's, that's a, That was a showing, again, of excellent technique in a different area which was stand-up right that was boxing Mm -hmm. it was boxing which amanda has i think of greatest female fighter or best female mma fighter of all time and i now think of amanda nunez i didn't think of her before until the cyborg fight and then when she took the fight to cyborg and i i've i'm trying to remember if there was a point in the beginning of the fight where Cyborg clips her, and Amanda, you can tell, she, she grins. Yeah. And it's that moment you can tell that Amanda probably was thinking, oh, you're not going to hurt me. Oh, I got this. I can I can take the risky shots because I'm going to come out on top in these exchanges, and I'm going to fucking land, and I know I have power because I fuck people up in training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I fuck people, I've been fucking people up my whole career. But it was not just the execution in, in the in the fire in the middle of the war against uh, Cyborg, it was how even though she was still you know avoiding the shots, landing her shots, she kept turning. Well, I'll do it for you because I'm turning giant knobs. She was still turning the intensity up. It wasn't just oh let's go here and let's just keep it up and see what happens. It was nope we're gonna keep coming. Oh we popped. It's okay. We're gonna keep walking you down. Yep yep you're backing up to the fence. Oh there's your head. Oh there it is. Yep. <laughs> and then one more for good. Bam! Just you're done. Yeah. And that it, that's that's the intensity of of her composure and her confidence you know. And I think looking back on the article from online that I'm referring to I think it's great that you understand who she is as a person outside of just being a fighter but also i think it needs to be noted that that's a technique that's not found very often in women's mma Mm. right right like we constantly talk about the refinement of technique and the evolution of of ability when it comes to women's mma and how fast it's advancing and how fast it's growing yes you know and 
I feel like Amanda is right now. I mean, Rose Namunas, I still think is the pinnacle example of this, but Amanda Nunez, the way she uses her that skill set she has with turning up the intensity, with slowly bringing everything up, with s- slowly turning on the pressure, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the water is warm, and then all of a sudden it's boiling, and you, you're like jumping back, like ooh 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 ooh. ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens with Amanda Nunez, and I. F- feel like that's been the case for the past few fights for her if not the majority of her fights but i i, I don't know what's going to happen against holly home because holly home is a, is such an excellent counterfighter yeah you know so i i'm really curious about this fight but and this is this is all coming to the question of the point when you have the greatest fighter or the who you think is the greatest fighter of all time a la Mighty Mouse or GSP, or in this case, let's say Amanda. Are they really the greatest if you're concerned about a matchup they have with somebody? Like, does the fact that I'm concerned about Holly Holm and her counter striking and her footwork with her kicks, especially, do I think, because I think those are solid threats against Amanda Nunes, does that mean Amanda Nunes cannot hold that mantle? Unlike Demetrius Johnson, where it was, it was just what's the point of watching? He's going to win. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just and then it's like fourth round. She's not even breathing hard. He's like having conversation. Oh yeah, you know. No, I mean, I don't. I'm craving pizza tonight. What do you want to do afterwards? And again, on the other end of the corner, they're just like, <gasps> the guys like on the on the stool, like bloodied up, and they're like wiping him down and icing and compressing his face. And the coaches are yelling like, "You got one more round. You got one more round. You got to take it to him. You got to take it to him. All right, let's crowd him, put him on the fence." Flashback over, and it's just, yeah, you know, I I mean, if you don't want pizza, that's fine. We can, like, yeah, like, <laughs> We can get sushi. Yeah, you know, I haven't had sushi in like three fight camps, you know? So I think it would be great. Yeah, let's do sushi tonight, guys. Oh, yeah, no, I heard. Yeah, hang on. Mouth guard. Thank you. No, I heard there was a, I heard there's a good place not too far from. All right. All right. Here we go. Yeah, there. It's like, all right, here we go. They're fanning him. Fucking like picking him up. Like, you got this. Let's go. Come on, champ. Let's go, champ. Just. See, that that's the standard of what we expected. Yeah. What we expected from Mighty Mouse fights. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there was never, never a, a shadow of a doubt of... You never had to question it. See, but I that's the thing, right? Like, I feel like it's a good thing to question it because then it what really... It, but then it proves if they do win, oh, wow, like this person really is great. But it's the idea of constantly questioning it every good fight. Every good fight. You know, because then if you do come across another threat, it's like, ooh, I wonder okay. what's going to happen. So how did you feel with GSP fighting back in the day? Back when it was you and me watching every GSP fight mm-hmm. go down live at the bar every single time. Standing most of the time. Yeah. Because we got so riled up by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never talking. You never talked in just GSP glued. fights. You nope. just glued to the TV. And I was screaming Studying. and yelling next to you. I was like, he got this. He got this. He's going to do this. Oh, he got him down. I will say this. The, um, what's, uh, I'm not saying during the fight because anything can happen during a fight. I mean, before the fight, just like leading up to it. Were you ever like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Like, cause doesn't that invalidate the superiority of, of the greatest of all time? Yeah, I guess that kind of, uh, goes against what I, right? 
what I just said about Amanda, I guess. Um, yeah, because oh, no, with no, GSP, I, it's like I did. I have to say, with him, I enjoyed watching it. I couldn't wait to watch his fights. There was, yeah, I can't think of one guy that he went up against where I was like, ooh, you know, like, I, can, I wonder like how concern. this, is, yeah, yeah, how's this gonna turn out? Um, but I mean, if we go into during the fight, uh. There was that. Oh, what the hell is his name? It's killing me. Fat guy. Well, I call him fat now. Uh, I think he went to bare knuckle. Actually, uh, what? the controversy when GSP took took his little hiatus. Who who was that guy? Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> GSP. Uh, remember when GSP ended up winning by decision or something against johnny Hendricks. johnny Hendricks, thank you yeah. oh, i can't believe i forgot his the name fat guy. but well he's fat now right <laughs> big rig yeah, yeah big rig is big oh he's yes. big he's big fun, rig is big. he's a big in um that was the one fight where i was like oh fuck and i told you you were concerned i, yeah, I was yeah. not only was i concerned but by the fifth round i was like i don't think gsp got it I don't think he got it. I know, it. and I remember yelling at you, like, no, he got this. And he's I was got, like, dude, no, I mean, he's got the points. He's got I, the points. My head was like he's down on the him. table. He's outstruck him. It's not on damage. It's on, it's on impact. As on soon strength. as they said by unanimous decision or whatever it was, George St. Pierre. It was split decision, I believe. Or, or whatever, yeah. Split decision. And they Gosh. said his name. St. Pierre. If I could compare the noise that went on in Buffalo Wild Wings oh, to like were hordes of orcs in Lord of the Rings <laughs> getting ready for battle, <laughs> that's what fucking went down. And I remember tables were thrown. My food body was inside my body dropped. I wasn't even smiling. I was just shocked. I was completely fucking shocked. Right, right. And I get that damage is not a measurement. It, judges of points right it strikes landed which i thought johnny landed he did land and then his defense with gsp trying to take him down his defense was really good so i was taking that into consideration as well like oh gsp's trying to take him down but johnny's doing a real good job sprawling or just not giving it to gsp and yeah. i was like fuck i i mean that entire fight man i had the i was like shaking like Really getting worried. So it wasn't leading up to the fight because I didn't. I did. I wasn't really aware of Johnny Hendricks then. I I knew Johnny. I so Johnny was the one punch man. So he was yes. the kind of guy where he would just like barely touch somebody and they would go flying and knocked out. Yep. So I knew Johnny was a threat. The biggest thing about Johnny that I was questioning was his wrestling background. I knew he was good. I knew his wrestling credentials back from uh, in college. I, I I knew his level. But it's just, it's so hard to judge against George's level because George never wrestled right. until he got older. And now he wrestles with the Canadian national team. With Olympians. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, is that as good? And that was the big thing because that's, if you neutralize that part of his game, it's, you have a very different GSP. Mm. Very, if you neutralize, because that's the biggest thing, right? George's game is to out, is to outwit you. To outthink you. Yeah. It's just, oh, here comes the jab. Nope, it's a blast. It's a blast double. Oh, here comes the blast double. Nope, it's a jab. 
Oh, here comes the the single. Oh, here's a side. Here's a kick to the head. Okay. All right, I'm going to step in. He looks Oh, here's a sidekick. It's just George was is was was so good. Like his style is defined by his unpredictability. Because his ability to mask and blend those techniques. Mm-hmm. So if you take away one of those like, "Oh, I can stop his takedowns." All of a sudden it's just let's just fucking trade. Let's yeah. bang, bro. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That was inter- that was borderline what we saw with Johnny Hendricks, right? George still won by a hair. By a hair. Very thin. Because I yeah. was still confident that he won. Fanboy aside, I was still very confident that he won. I was just saying he landed more shots. He la- he didn't land enough power shots. Doesn't matter. He has more shots landed. He has more shots landed. He has more takedowns. That alone is going to get him the win. Because they don't do it by how bloody you are. Right. So it's, it has to be by that. Thankfully, I was right. But... See, I can see two things happening. So for Amanda Nunez, I can see her closing the distance and crowding. You saw it against Chris Cyborg. She wants to initiate the bang, right? She wants to initiate the fucking the the brawl session. Mm-hmm. Closing distance against a counter striker like like Holly Holm, especially with Holly Holm's uh, kicking ability and neutralizing those kicks, it's going to be nothing but good things for Amanda. And it's also great things for Amanda because Amanda can fucking flatline her. Yeah. And I can see Amanda running up, immediately trading. The second Holly throws a kick and she she, you know, uh rechambers the kick and brings it back, Amanda's gonna be following that rechamber, coming right into range, and they're banging. And then Holly's gonna try to escape, and then Amanda's gonna hunt, and it's gonna be that sequence until Amanda clips her. And then it turns into a Ronda Rousey hopple backwards, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna be chasing to the fence and then just flatlining like Chris Cyborg. That's what I see happening for Amanda to win. For Holly to win, I see Holly not so much catering and kiting Amanda like Ronda, because Amanda is worlds better in technique than Ronda when it came when it comes to striking. Mm-hmm. But I see Holly picking her apart for the first two rounds, and then in the third, she's either able to take it to the ground, because I could see a scramble happening with a clinch to the cage, because again, Amanda's going to be trying to close distance. So I could see some crazy shit happen on the ground. Um, although Amanda's too strong, I think, so maybe that won't happen. But long story short, I don't see Holly finishing Amanda. It has to be either by TKO or it's going to have to be by decision. That's what I think. It could be submission. It could be submission, but I just... But you think it's Amanda for the win, no matter what? Well, that's... I, I, I'm just saying what I... I'm just predicting what I think happens. In general. Right? In yeah, ge- yeah. I'm, just, I'm just talking bullshit fan theories about what's going to happen. But I'm just saying, like, I would never have done that with GSP. I never would have said, oh, GSP is going to lose because John Fitch is going to, you know, wrestle him to the cage, take him down, and mm-hmm. he's going to keep him in side control or something. And try- No, I never would say that. I would just say, no, GSP is going to fucking beat his ass. Let's go. Let's go. Actually, rush. I lied. Um, when GSP came back. Against Carlos Condit? No, no, no. Uh, from the hiatus, went up in weight. Oh, against Bisping? Against Bisping. That was a rough idea that he executed to go fight Michael Bisping. Yeah. That was... And as you and I say, four years rusty was fucking phenomenal. Oh. 100%. So, which I didn't expect, but... I So I will say that was the one fight with GSP. I was actually nervous. I wasn't nervous until the fight started. 
and I realized a how much smaller George is. Yeah. But b how much crisper uh, Bisping is with his striking. Yeah. Because Bisping is basically a boxer. You know, besides his work with Perillo, just his style is boxing, throwing hands. Mm-hmm. And Bisping is so crisp with his boxing, and not that George isn't, but George doesn't isn't a boxer. Yeah, yeah. He's a karate fighter. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> you know, so yes, he works with Freddie Roach, and Freddie really helped. I think Freddie saved that fight. I really do. I really do. I think one hundred percent. The Michael Bisping George St. Pierre fight. If it wasn't for Freddie Roach, that fight may have gone differently because Freddie was able to help George defend against Bisping because mm. Bisping looks like looked like a monster in there. When yeah, he came to his boxing. He was piecing up George, as you saw. What, what like in the second round, he was already cut up and fucking bleeding and shit. Like yep. he got fucking pieced up by Bisping, and thankfully Freddie Roach was there to just say, "Hey, look." He's gonna. He's doing a great job with this and that. He's gonna come in with you with this. You gotta counter with that. You gotta keep an eye on that left, and that's gonna come over wide. So sidestep under and let's you know get back out of range if you can, because he's gonna keep swinging that. That's his go-to combo. He's been doing it the whole fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't for the savant in the corner. That's a, I think a different fight. But I got worried in the in in that fight. I got worried. End of the first, first half of the second, I was getting concerned. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then I started feeling more comfortable because George looked more comfortable. Because mm-hmm. you could tell George was, was kind of, I, I think he was kind of just anxious. And then once he settled in and he was like, oh, I've been here a lot. So I know what this is like. <laughs> yeah. And then he went back to his normal pacing and stance. And then that's when he started blasting the takedowns mm-hmm. and started getting them. And that's when I was just, oh, yeah, he's back. Okay. He's, he's, Russ is off. Yeah. He's okay. And that's when I started feeling better. And I was just thinking, all right, he's taking him down. Bisping's doing a great job of cutting him up from the bottom. But George is taking him down. And that's the big thing. That's the big thing. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time before, you know, top position from these takedowns turns into something advantageous. Or it just keeps racking up points and George wins a decision. Mm-hmm. And that's when Chokey Choke happened. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you see Holly Holm? Versus Amanda Nunes. Like the outcome? Kind of like what I did. Well, you don't have to break down what you think is going to happen in the fight, but sure, outcome. Yeah, I think uh, I think Amanda, her goal is just to get in close. And Do you see Amanda winning? I do. You do? I do. I do, too. I do, too. I think it's... In, in fact, I call... I would like to see it get to round two. That's how I'm going to put it. I would like to see it get to Damn. round two. Oof. Five minutes goosebumps. is a long time. Ooh, goosebumps. Five minutes is a long time. Yeah, true. Very true. So I'd like to see it get to round two. I want to see how Amanda handles somebody who's physically stronger than her. The biggest neutralizer to striking is wrestling. Mm. Right. Because you can play the striking game forever until it turns into like standing jujitsu, right? Whoever counters the counter to counter to counter to counter to counter to counter to counter, that counter finally wins. It's just, you see it a lot. Like, that's, I think, how Nurmagomedov has been shredding through his division. It's just his wrestling. He neutralizes your striking. Yep. You know? Because it's the GSP effect. Oh, he's going to take me down. I don't want that to happen. I need to worry about that. 
And that's when Khabib starts getting loosey-goosey with his hands. Then you go, oh, this guy, I could fucking throw with this guy. I got this guy. This guy's up high. And then he blasts you. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, fuck, I can't stop this takedown. And fuck, he's transitioning throughout the takedown. And I can't stop any of these transitions as he continues to work to an advantageous position. Yeah. Usually the fucking back. And, it's, and he usually gets it. The female equivalent of that right now is Tatiana Suarez, who I think has a knee injury, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So she's a little bit off the table. But I want to see somebody take that to Amanda Nunez and see how she handles it. Because the closest person that we have with Habib, who has that fucking lights out switch, is Conor McGregor. And we saw what happened. Yeah. Right? Granted, Rusty Conor, bad game plan Conor. I was just going to say, he's been off. During that time period, he, he's been yeah, he off, was off. off. Yeah, that's just mm, that that was a really bad Connor. But yeah, that's um, that's my take. I think to really call somebody the greatest fighter of all time, in this case for Amanda, right, greatest female fighter of all time. I think the caveat that needs to be added to her story is how she's handling every threat that approaches and challenges her championship. Mm. You have to. That's the point of the game. The point of the game is not just being, is not just overcoming everything in your personal life, but it's how do you handle the challenge in the cage, you know? And that's that's the biggest thing against Mighty Mouse. The biggest thing against Mighty Mouse, everybody always says, is just, oh, his competition wasn't at his level, so it was just an easy cake walkthrough. Just, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I would just say Mighty Mouse is just was just such a, he is such a fucking different level against these guys. Yeah. You know, yep. you, I mean, we're seeing Henry Cejudo quickly evolving with each fight and, and doing pretty well. And he's savaging dudes, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that, you know, he, he took the mantle from Mighty Mouse in a decision, by the way, he didn't flatline Mighty Mouse to do anything to no. that level. So it's the title of best fighter of all time or greatest fighter of all time is such a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually going to ask you not to interrupt you, but then you look at guys, if you want to talk about records, like, you know, Khabib, what is it? 27 and 0 or 20? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so when, but, when, when someone is undefeated, do you qualify them as greatest, especially with that high of a record? Well, don't you have to? Because it means you haven't lost. Right? But this is what plagues boxing. This is what plagues boxing. If you have like one or two losses in boxing, it's this fucking deal like, well, he's got losses on the record. It's like, I don't care if you have a a 64 and and zero amateur record. You've, you know, like you've lost one professional fight or two professional fights or three professional fights. And MMA losses are much more of a dime a dozen because I think everybody understands the game in MMA is fucking weird. But you're right. You have guys who are undefeated, and it's just, uh, or you have guys who haven't been defeated in a long time, like Tony Ferguson. Mm-hmm. We're just, oh fuck, you know, El Kakui hasn't lost in like what six or seven years, blah blah blah, and that's the huge storyline. Oh, he hasn't lost in this long, and blah 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 blah. It's a selling point. Do I think that's how you should base one of the greatest fighters? I do. I think it's a factor. Do I think it's the only factor? No. I mean, if mighty. Uh, it's weird, right? Because GSP lost, what, like three times, four times? Something like that. In his career, right? So for him to lose multiple times and still be considered the greatest of all time, 
is really weird, right? When you consider Ronda Rousey only lost twice, and you consider Mighty Mouse, um, Mighty Mouse hasn't lost. Ah, uh, Mighty Mouse lost. Pretty sure Mighty Mouse has lost. Yeah. Just not for like the majority of his career. Yeah. Because he was so dominant. See, yeah. I define greatest of all time as being well-rounded. By the way, I really love the fact that we keep talking about greatest of all time and we haven't talked on Juicy Big Dick Jones. Oh, coming up this Saturday. Everybody, spend your money, yo. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. Are you? Why? Why would I? Well, that's what I mean. I'm not, I'm not supporting that. So that's what I mean. I'm not gonna. I'm still. I still haven't watched a John Jones fight since the fucking yeah, same. Uh, the relocation of a fight card. Oh yeah, the week of. I still haven't watched a John Jones fight. I will be watching the and rest it, of it. It's sad and sickening because you know this fight's gonna sell anyways because of who else is on the card. You know, right. so it's like people will do it to support the other fighters. Right. Even if they are against John Jones, but then it's like with this whole ESPN deal, what does it matter anymore, anyways? Right. Pe- people are getting paid. People are getting paid. So Mighty Mouse has lost three times in his uh, professional record. Okay. Uh, all by decision. He lost one on his amateur record. Uh, okay. Yep. Um. Yeah, isn't that funny? We never meant to do that, but we never touched on John Jones being one of the best. Yeah. We only talked about Mighty Mouse and GSP and Amanda Nunes. As sickening as but it is. But John Jones has only one loss on his record, and it's a disqualification, and Dana White's trying to get that wiped from his record. so he can. Of course he is. So he can truly be undefeated. Wow. I wonder if, if John Jones walks into the room... Puts his fat dick on the table. Then everybody bends over and kisses it like it's a ring. I wonder if that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I know I'm the greatest. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I, I just, I understand the guy's good. There are other good fighters too, man. With the shit he's been... Th- you know, I don't even want to get into it again because we, we're, we're constantly talking about it. But I will say this. How do you get away with all of that bullshit and Dana will still bend over for you? Because it's about money. It's about business. At the end of the day, it's business. But to... He's the bad boy of get, MMA. He's the bad boy of MMA. He's the true bad boy What other fighter has gotten that treatment? Oh, None. we're just going to... We're going to fight to wipe that... None. Loss away? None. How the fuck is that possible? You could just do that? I'm sure if you pay enough money to an athletic commission, something can change. Look. John Jones is actually... I know you don't. I know we, you and I both are not big fans of him as a person. Oh, I, I, I don't deny his skill. We don't. De- I know you and I also both don't deny his skill. However, something... Ooh, what is this? He is 24, 1, and 0. He is 6'4", 205 pounds, 84.5-inch reach advantage, 45-inch reach advantage. Tiago Santos is 76 inches and 42.5. So he has a disadvantage on both sides. Um, Tiago Santos lands more significant strikes per minute. Um, so he's got to get in close. 
Yeah. John Jones. Yeah. Get, he sticks those arms out, man. He's like, no, you keep your distance. Yep. And then he also does the sidekick to the legs, to yep. the knees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if John Jones takes him down. I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't. So, okay. Yeah, I know. We'll blow through this quick about him, right? But the fact that John Jones wasn't mentioned by either of us. Why is that? Is it because... So first of all, do you ever question that John Jones is going to win? Or do you just know that he's going to win? I hate to say it. No, exactly. <laughs> That's, why I'm just, smiling. You know. That's why I'm smiling at you. Because you know he's going to win. You just know. Because you know he's going to win. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the question of how brutal that looks... Ah, fucking hey, John Jones always wins. <laughs> Actually, let's not go too far down the road of why we didn't mention John Jones or BJ Penn or, uh, you know, Matt Hughes or, or any of this stuff, like, or Anderson Silva or Vitor Belfort or any of these guys, right? Let's not go down any of, of these paths. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say, or I do want to ask, how come John Jones never entered your mind when we're talking about greatest of all time? You know what I think it is? Besides from the personal stuff. Because you cannot deny his record and you cannot deny his dominance. But I was just getting ready to say, I think it comes down to morality and the personal life. Like, look at GSP, man. But like, Oh, that's why everybody loves him. But look what he stands for and just yeah. him, pers- his personality, everything about him. Not to mention him being literally the GOAT. Like, you know what I mean? What's, I don't know. I I think that's what it comes down to, though. It's exactly that. It's just who he is as a person, what he tries to get away with, what he has gotten away with. But that has nothing to do with his ability to fight. As he's he's been quoted saying, I did a night of coke and still beat your ass, Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is kind of stupid because then you would think, like, well, didn't the Coke then help? No, because he had no sleep. Uh, Fucks up his chemistry. Yeah, but when you got those picograms. Yeah, right. The picograms help. Look, I, I did think of John Jones because, to be fair, and this is kind of the same argument against Mighty Mouse. Uh, you know, that's not a fair argument. I'm not going to say that. I almost want to say it's only because of what you said, is that I still view these people, and may, I, this is our fault, I shouldn't view these people as martial artists because they're not all martial artists. No. You know, he's a fighter. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's a straight-up fighter. And I think because of that, I didn't consider him because I view Mighty Mouse as a martial artist because he is. I view George St. Pierre as a martial artist because he is. I view Amanda Nunes as a martial artist because she is. I observe, I think Rose Namajunas is a martial artist because she is. I think Ronda Rousey is a martial artist because she is. They're martial artists to me first instead of fighters. So maybe that's my own bias on these lens. That's in the way. You know what I mean? I think think that's what's in the way. But you can't fucking say John Jones. You know what John Jones is? John Jones is the equivalent of handing somebody a controller and saying, hey, have you ever played the UFC game? It's like, no. 
well, here's the controller. You're a fan of MMA. It's like, yeah, I've watched the fights here and there. Cool. So you understand that you understand fighting. You understand how it works. Here's a controller. I'm going to have you fight John Jones, uh, the computer John Jones, at the hardest possible difficulty on your first time playing. Start. That's what that is. That's what it looks like when you see that shit happen. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just... I've been joking about it with some friends at work who are... Uh, they they actually work in the combat sports industry, right? Or the industry, combat sports side of the industry. Uh, and we were all joking just, yo, can you imagine if Tiago Santos throws a crazy hook, crazy overhand right, and just clips him, and he just crumples to the mat? Can you imagine what happens to that to the world if that happens? Mm. What happens to the world of MMA if that happens? If John Jones gets dropped in the beginning of the second round, uh, what's going to happen is there's going to. I mean, first off, a rematch is going to be initiated, <laughs> obviously, because that's what Dana's going to want. True. Um, Unless he gets mollywopped the whole first round and he looks like shit. I just want someone, and I, I've said this before, and this is going to be the last time I say it. <laughs> I want someone to end John Jones. <laughs> I want someone to cripple him so bad that after the healing process, he's still considered disabled and can no longer fight. Oh my God. That is. I mean that. That is a hatred. With the utmost sincerity. <laughs> From the bottom of my heart. That is some fucking hatred. I want someone to end him. Right now, John Jones has a raging, throbbing, veining heart on, and he doesn't know why. (laughs) (laughs) It's because your hate got spewed into the world, and and he feeds on it. Get over here, Dana. That's... Come take care of this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really hate John Jones? Holy shit. I just, I cannot stand, you know. No, I don't. I think I said maybe a year or two. I might have said this before we started podcasting or maybe in an earlier episode. I'm surprised Dana lasted this long in the company. Oh, I think Dana's perfect for this. He's the Vince McMahon of MMA. <sighs> Vince McMahon is still around. I no, I get that. Well, first off, I mean, wrestling and UFC is two completely different things. You know, WWE is a fucking soap opera. It's I understand literally entertainment. Well, so is MMA. Is it? But not I mean, it's, it's like acting. You know, right? It's right. not real. It's not sports. Inter- no, it is. So no. any of the drama that goes on, I mean, first off, it's okay to do steroids. In well, that's why, that's why Dana is like, still around, because he provides the drama. He fuels the drama. Remember? This is the most disgusting thing that's ever happened in the history of this company. And, I, and, and you know, I will make sure that they get punished for it. Then a week later, they're using the bus attack in promos. Yeah. I can't believe it's such a disgraceful oh, thing because there's, there's history there. It's such a disgraceful thing to the sport. It's 
one of the most embarrassed it's the most ex- embarrassing thing i've ever had to witness and deal with uh, like believe you me like there's going to be repercussions for this for khabib going over the cage and fighting no nothing fucking happened uh, i don't know man he fe- he he feeds he feeds the drama mm. and that's what sells that's what helps fuel the sales yep dana said there will never be females fi- women fighting in in the ufc and now look what we have and then he put then he pulls out ronda rousey in a dress and gives her a fucking belt it says defend your belt you know like come on i, I mean, mean i'm not surprised I'm not, dana lasted I'm not this long denying that he's definitely brought the ufc to a place no one thought it would get to it's, Especially it's, on the professional level that it's at right, right now. Right. But you have to realize he... So if you have Scott Coker and Bellator and Dana White in the UFC, you haven't, you've haven't. you never said a fucking thing about Scott Coker. I'm not familiar with him. Because I don't because, watch that much Bellator. No, it's because he is not a drama monster. That's why. He that just I runs, have heard. He just yeah. runs the company as you're supposed to. <laughs> right. He doesn't right. try to get involved and talk shit about fighters and give his reviews and evaluations on fighter performances. He doesn't have a show based on entertain me and I will I will give you a contract. Mm. He doesn't have the Tuesday night the the contender series or whatever the fuck. Like literally it the premise of the show is it doesn't matter if you win, it matters if Dana's happy when your fight's done. The person who won yeah. the contender series didn't get a contract. Because of what, it wasn't entertaining. No shit. And then there's clips of him being like, "You're telling me in the final 45 seconds of a round of a of a fucking fight that you're oh winning, you try to submit or you, you try want to, to take a guy take, down and fucking that's, this and this. I, you know what? I did see something on that. Guess who? Guess who doesn't say that? Scott fucking Coker. Guess who doesn't put try to put the spotlight on him to say some crazy shit? Scott fucking Coker. Guess who doesn't try to throw these weird gladiator matches to entertain himself? Scott Coker. Yeah. <laughs> Dana White's perfect for the brand because he is the brand. You have seen Dana White are tied together. They're symbiotic. Yeah, there's no denying that, I there's guess. There's no denying that. Hmm. With that being said, are you excited about the fight card? 95% of it, yes. <laughs> Uh, ben Askren's fighting again, if you didn't know. Who's he fighting? Uh, Jorge Masvidal. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. Are you excited for this? Does that make you happy? Yeah. Who do you think wins that fight? Hmm. Well, we know he uh, Ben could take a punch. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> Holy shit. And a dump. Yeah. I mean... Because Jorge is really known for like his striking, right? Uh, primarily, but he's he's a pretty good re- grappler, man. He's a pretty good grappler. He did a grappling match for charity with Anthony Pettis, and he fucking put on a show. Granted, it was for fun, but like it was. Masvidal is a fucking beast, man. I'm excited to see Luke Rockhold come up and fight in light heavyweight. That's right. He went up. He went up. Yeah. Jan Blakovich. I'm excited for that fight. That's going to be real fun. I'm I'm just excited to see Luke again. 
You know, Pretty Boy Luke. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Anyways, I feel like if you're listening, you should watch to judge what we said about Holly Holm possibly being the greatest female fighter of all time. You should also go to ESPN and read that article because it's a good article. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on ESPNW.com uh, by Katie Barnes, I believe. It's a good article. But regardless, enjoy the fights this weekend. Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. Peace. Pump check. That's your cue to say something. Plum check? I'm pleasantly plump, yo. Yeah, that's what I said. I said plump check. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dude, you're really as fucking hot as balls up here. It's really not that bad. Well. <laughs> Granted, you're also wearing long sleeve top, long, long legged bottoms. Yep. Shorts and a t-shirt over the... You're wearing double layers right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a hat. So I feel like this is all you. Well, you see, the... Okay, the spandex? It's not spandex. Well... It's compression wear. Compression, all right. Slims you down a bit. (laughs) The hat is to cover the psoriasis. (laughs) But does does it all? No, you know what it is. I sweat a lot on my legs and my arms. Uh, and this just, yeah, I I just feel more comfortable working out in this stuff. No matter how hot yoga. it is. That's why I have like I wear leggings in yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just feel better when I it gets just caught yeah. in that. Okay, woo.